0: Hi and welcome to episode 31 of Talking With Painters where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger and my guest today is Jonathan Dalton. He was born in Ireland but he now calls Australia home. He started to teach himself to paint in 2007 and only two years later he was awarded not one but two major art prizes in Ireland which set him on a path of travel with his wife, living for some years in Spain before arriving in Australia. He entered the Archibald Prize for the first time this year and was chosen as a finalist with his magnificent work Lottie and James which is of Australian artists Lottie Consolvo and James Drinkwater. But what Jonathan does is he takes the viewer beyond photorealism to what he calls theatrical realism. He imbues his work with a sense of drama, often placing his subjects in enigmatic poses, causing the viewer to wonder what's going on beyond the picture plane. His exhibition with Nanda Hobbs earlier this year is also a perfect example of him turning traditional still life on its head But what I found most interesting in our conversation was Jonathan's observations about the benefits and limits of photographic references, which I'm sure most artists who use them would have struggled with. He also gives great insights into his painting techniques and process, and we also talk about his successes and otherwise with online poker and sports bet. We met in his Sydney studio, which he shares with a group of other talented artists, and we had a lovely afternoon talking about his life and work. All the paintings we talk about are on the website, talkingwithpainters.com, and I started by asking Jonathan
1: where he grew up. I grew up uh, in Ireland, um, and then when I was... Whereabouts? In Dublin. okay. uh, Suburb of Dublin. And then when I was about, I want to say six, maybe seven, Uh, My father got a job in the UK, so we moved off to the UK for three years, which was kind of like a a formative period, then went back to Ireland um, after that.
0: Oh, oh, okay. And why was it formative?
1: Well, I think it was at a time. So this would have been, we moved there in 1984, maybe it was 83, and um, that was a, Time when the relations between England and Ireland were still a little bit strained, and it was before the peace process had really taken hold. So now being Irish in England is is nothing, but back then being Irish in England, you were still seen very much as an outsider. And um, I so went to this even at
0: seven years old. You felt that?
1: Well, I went to a, to like a pretty a pretty sort of upper class school um, at the time, and always identified as Jonathan the Irish boy. You know, coming there with an Irish accent, which you know, I, I don't think I have an accent, but of course I do. Um, but you know, so so being so identified as the outsider from from that kind of age, and then you go back to to Ireland, and we went from quite a good school to quite a rough school, um, and arriving with you know. An English lilt to my Irish accent. Suddenly, I'm Jonathan, the English boy. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. My so you know, so for you, and I, 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 most people, the Irish accent is quite pronounced. But you go back to Ireland, and people are like, oh yeah, you got a bit of an Australian accent, or you speak not like an yeah, Irish person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, how did that affect you? And did you feel like an outsider because of that?
1: Uh, yeah, only in the sense that you know, if you're going into a relatively small school in a relatively close knit community then you're immediately an outsider and it takes a little while to to adjust and yeah yeah yeah. and
0: what um so did you were you exposed to art much as a kid
1: um I don't think overly so uh you know I remember going sketching with my father when we would go on holiday you know we would go to France or to you know wherever and jump in the car and and go off uh, driving around find a windmill or something sit there and, and draw it but you know this was a rarity rather than it being the the normal thing there's the perception in oh, ireland there's a perception in ireland which i think is still very much the case that art's not a real job art's not a proper a proper oh, job
0: yeah. okay so was that something that filtered through to you as a kid yeah, for
1: sure and it's also it's it is correct i mean it, it's very very difficult to make a living in in ireland
0: I suppose it's even here to a certain extent. It is.
1: I I think it's, you know, it's maybe more vibrant and, you know, there's there's more, you know, to to, to say the dirty word, but there's more money here Mm. for art, I think, than there is um, in Ireland. Mm. So
0: so did you do art at school?
1: Uh, Up until, I don't know what year would be here, up until the age of 13 or 14, and then you go into your end of year run of exams, and I did quite well. That school it was academically pretty good, so talked immediately out of doing art. Don't do art. <laughs> you can be something exciting like an accountant or a lawyer. <laughs> something really it. And so no, no. After that, no art. Yeah. Uh, and I went off to university and studied, um, much to my father's chagrin. I studied philosophy. So then after that, ended up doing all sorts of things and ended up with. Um, a photography studio um, in Dublin, and my cousin who 's an artist was like this you know you 're so stressed out all the time because it what turns were you doing? out what I was were you doing? I was doing portraiture and I think again to to, to make a living as a photographer you got to do a lot of um, sort of baby portraits and you got to do a lot of wedding photography and you 've got to do like anything that comes your way and I'm a competent at best. I'm a competent photographer, but I'm a lousy, lousy businessman. So my <laughs> my <laughs> photography studio was not doing great, and I had such a wonderful location, and you know, kind of like it was just sort of when the 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 analog from film to digital was happening, and with some really, really good gear, and it just wasn't quite working. So my cousin took me away, bought some paints, and I sat down. And the second I started painting, I was like, Why am I? Why am I doing something else? This is this is all I want to do.
0: So what did you... So had you been drawing and painting up to... Uh, not, obviously not painting, but had you been drawing up to that point?
1: Not really. I don't think... I mean, you know, other than maybe writing a letter to someone, I think anything that I'd done had been... You know, with photography, composing a shot and then building a shot up, and then there's like a little bit more creativity with uh, um, Photoshop, which was, you know, really part of the practice as well. And being, you're not painting with light, but, you know, you, you you get the idea of constructing an image and what works as an image. Yep. So that kind of thing was was done, but the actual physical paint to canvas or board or whatever, no. no. And then uh, I ended up, I was telling you about it, this miserably cold uh, studio in Dublin, where yeah. it was up in, like it was a Garrick, up, up in the the attic and you'd come in and on a cold mornings you'd have to break ice to clean your brushes and so on. I was working in <laughs> acrylic at the time and it was, you know, it was, I really had to love what I was doing to, to, to do it, but I really did. That, that whole idea of the impoverished, uh, impoverished artist struggling to, to, to make it, that was really and truly the way it was, but I didn't ah. care, loved what I was doing. Again, Were you
0: working part-time at the time or
1: were uh, you- I was. I w- no. I wasn't. Um, I was supporting myself uh, by playing by playing cards by playing poker at the time.
0: <gasps> no, <laughs> really. So uh,
1: like, I've never just to, heard of
0: somebody. Making so just a to give it
1: a just to give it. A, not to make me seem like some degenerate gambler, uh, which I'm which I'm absolutely not. I, uh, my grandfather taught me to play um, poker and. Every year in, uh, in, in in our house or an aunt or uncle's house, we would have um, a family poker game. and It was, you know, very friendly and you'd buy in for, you know, 20 euros or 20 pounds at the time. And you'd play, in, you know, just a nice evening. And there was this explosion, this is very unrelated to art, but there was this explosion in online poker. It moved online and the Americans embraced it fully and there was just oodles of money to be made online at the time.
0: Oh, so this is an online game.
1: Yeah, you're playing online with people from Russia, from the States, from whatever, and it was, I, like, I can, I'm, I'm not a great poker player, but it was so easy to but make But you money. could,
0: so you got ahead
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, easily, doing that. easily, 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 easily. Yeah. So it's
0: not really gambling in a way.
1: <laughs> you were just good at it. <laughs> well, no, it's not that I'm good at it, but it's one of those things that, like, you know, so if you play any game where there's a roll of a dice, there's an element of luck involved, but if you know what you're doing, you know there's a strategy.
0: So, can we fast forward now? Sure. We're in St. Peter's, in just a fantastic set of studios here with some great artists, um, and of course, congratulations! You, Thank you were selected a finalist in yes. the Archibald Prize with an absolutely fantastic painting called Lottie and James, which is, of course, a portrait of Lottie Consalvo and James Drinkwater, artists. Um and um, how has the Archibald experience been for you
1: it's been I think coming from outside coming in so coming from outside i I'd, I'd always known that the Archibald was a big deal, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, but then you sort of your it, it was my first time uh, entering, and they you know give. Uh, they send out an email and they tell you like it's top secret. You can't mention it to anybody. Oh. And of course, I was almost instantly on the phone, like trying to tell people I haven't got an email and there hasn't been any news. But you know, uh, you know, try to find circumvent the, the, the rules that they've laid. But I only called um, my dealer uh, Ralph Hobbs and then uh, James Drinkwater. I was like, James, you cannot cut off your beard. You have to keep it on. He's like, okay, say no more. <laughs> Um, and so,
0: what the, do you get an email to say you were selected? Well, maybe this is all top secret, isn't no, it? No, well, I, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> cracking this wide open no, because I've got this thing about it. Because I think I've heard that people who don't get selected, they just never receive anything. They don't receive any sort of email or anything that they didn't get in. So you just have to assume
1: after a while. Yeah, that's that, right. Because I I'd, that's entered, right. I'd entered, i a painting into the Sulman Yeah. Uh, And I heard nothing.
0: Right. uh, So you've just got to sort of, it's got to just slowly dawn on you. Yeah. (laughs) I just think that's, you know, a bit mean. Do you think? Yeah, I think you should get an email saying thanks, but no thanks. I I
1: suspect, so the Archibald, big deal. Yeah. And I think, much easier for people to tell people. Listen, you got to keep it a secret that you've been selected.
0: Right. Then did it really? Did they say don't tell anyone?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said this is top secret. You can't tell a soul. And um,
0: oh my god!
1: Well, that's well right. it makes
0: it more exciting. It does. It, it, it does, does make, make, it make it more, more exciting.
1: exciting. So being able to keep that secret is easier than everybody getting an email saying you didn't get in. Means they can then figure out who did get in by. Oh,
0: I suppose that. So, true, like, I think yeah. it's just—it's
1: it, it, just you know a way of dealing with it. Well, you know, it's so like these days,
0: though, I, I sort of think these days you get you go apply for a job or something, you just never hear back. Was, you know, well, that you didn't a get a job yeah, and, and you no, I just think people sort of checking their emails all the time. Anyway, yeah. um, but back to your painting. Yes. Um, I must say it's hung in a great spot. It's an awesome spot. Oh my God. Well, it's sorry, such it a is good, so good. I was so, so excited. It's, yeah. in, it's in a great room where you can, it's it's very central and you can actually see it from other room the other room, so you can get a really good view of it from quite far back if you want yeah. to. Um and, of course, it's a great composition as well because you've got Lottie and James sitting on their couch. And um, I just want to talk about the composition a bit because from my point of view, that's, that's sort of like the most important part of planning the painting is getting that right. And um, because once you embark on it, you're going to spend how many hours, you know, hours and hours on it. If you haven't got that right, you don't want to be shifting things exactly. around later. Mm-hmm.
1: I think especially when you're painting in quite a realistic you know, way, uh, the term that I like to use is theatrical realism. So it's that notion of having like a little bit of theatre and drama and it being a slightly contrived, almost artificial scene, that something's happening, or, you know, you're, you're there in a moment with them. And a lot of that is done in the, before any paint even goes on on the page. Uh, uh, not the page, the the canvas. before any paint goes on the canvas, um, and to, that's where I think, you know, we were talking about photography earlier, but that's where uh, photography is a massive boon to artists who paint that way, because mm-hmm. you don't have to do, you know, spend like eight hours doing a study to see whether or not it works. You can almost see, okay, th- there's something there, there's something there, I can strip out this element, I can introduce this, and you do a little bit of creation with, the, you know, with my paintings, quite a detailed drawing and then the pinkles on top but you're almost before anything happens on the canvas you've almost got the image finished yeah, yeah. And, and how
0: do you go about doing that so in, so as in the when you've got you're you're trying to figure out the pose
1: so with that particular one um I've been trying to we've been trying to find the time to do it myself and uh James um and Lottie. and time was running out he'd been in Tahiti and it was a you know, I think it was a couple of months before the before the date to submit your work was coming up and trying to find a time when I could get up to them or they could come down or we could do something we're just running out of time, running out of time mm-hmm. and then finally we find uh, a window where, okay, it can happen this week and it has to happen this week, otherwise it, there's not enough time to do the painting mm-hmm. and I go up to Newcastle and we have this really nice lunch, and we're all talking away, and you know, maybe a little bit more wine than <laughs> that I should have done, and you know, I kind of excited and kind of nervous and kind of like you know, because oh, this is going to be my, my debut painting for the Archibald. And um, oh, you hadn't applied, but you'd never entered before. I hadn't been allowed to because uh, at that point I'd been a, a, a temporary resident, but then we got a permanent residency, so that was the first year I was allowed oh, to. Um, oh.
0: I said even piece. more, extra special. But anyway,
1: anyway uh, so I, you know, kind of like I do a quick couple of sketches, and I kind of like, okay, that's what I want to do, and I move their living room around, and I'm setting up these flashes to kind of like make sure there's plenty of light. Oh,
0: so you took a lot of equipment.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I took oh. like full-on portable, you know, studio with me. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that thing if if you're going to work from a photograph, which I worked from, well, I'll get to the end yeah. of the story, uh, and then take all of these pictures. Yeah pretty sure I've got something in there and then I get home and I realize that the autofocus hadn't been on and all the pictures are just a little bit blurry. No, you're (laughs) kidding. No, I'm not, I'm not. So I'm kind of going because, you know, you see them on the little screen, you're like, okay, lighting looks good, no one's overblown, there's sufficient detail, but it's only this size and then you blow it up to this size, you're like, oh, oh, everything's a bit blurry and everything's a bit, you know, so ordinarily that wouldn't be the case. You'd have like you know, pretty well composed shots, but you know, a combination of all of the factors meant uh, that I was having to sort of rely on my memory Mm -hmm. of it a little bit more and put details in that I felt should be there and, you know, the pattern should look this particular way and I'm kind of like looking going, oh, is is, is that a tear in the couch or is that a flower in the couch? Mm And so it. it so,
0: but particularly with the facial features, that yeah. would be the big problem, yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. Because you're a millimetre out and it's just not exactly. going to work.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So, how did you deal with that? You just sort of, you had to again just. I just use had to, your,
1: just sort of power through and kind yeah. of like hope that that was the case. And yeah. 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 And
0: when you seated them, did you have, like, so. In that in that um, composition, you've got Lottie on the left, sort of sitting more back in the yeah. couch, and James is sitting more forward, sort of yeah. perched on the edge. And you've got sort of two cushions yeah. in between them, one on the end and one in the, between them. Is that did it take? Is it, did it take a lot of thought to get that final
1: composition? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, uh, I think I took ballpark two hundred blurry photos, but two hundred <laughs> photos, um, and then. Sufficient detail to be able to build the composition, and then taking you know a hand from here, a leg from here, the turn of a foot from here, the way a head is tilted this way from here, and you're beginning to put all of these elements together. So, you know, it's kind of like the old process. If you look at old sketches, in not that I'm comparing myself to these people, but anyway, uh, you know, with Renaissance artists like Michelangelo or Da Vinci, you'll see it constantly kind of like different ways of holding a hand, trying to find mm. the perfect. You know, turn of the fingers or the way that the thumb is resting, and so it's the same process. It's just you're speeding it up, and you're mm-hmm. getting a lot more uh, detail and uh, finality to the image. So, 200 photographs, and I'd say within that composition, I would have used 40 or 50, I reckon. And if you, if you, if you were to sit there and draw lines of perspective, because the other thing which photographs do is they've just got one lens, like this, you know. So the foreshortening and everything on the lines of perspective are often not the way your eye expects them to be. We've got two eyes. Yeah. And our, when we're looking around, our brains are building up an image and we expect things to look a particular way. So whether it be something as fundamental as using a lens that's too long or too short, your eye doesn't want it to look like that way, so the legs look too big or the turn of the hips is wrong or you know so Mm. all of these things so you mean as in
0: if it's like more of a wide angle lens versus telephoto lens
1: any any number of factors so Mm. like that's just maybe one of the more obvious ones but there's lots of like subtle little things so Mm. you you get those elements you put them together and then when you're putting that drawing on to the to the blank canvas you're having to step back and correct and kind of like okay those lines aren't right or I, I want it to be a bit more symmetrical a little bit more posed or a little bit, you know, so all of those couch shots are just a little bit off. But I, mm. wanted, I wanted the couch to be super centered, super symmetrical, yeah. so that you'd have that juxtaposition of the one character sitting back and the other character coming mm. forward. And then it speaks to that a little bit, but if you don't have that idea in your head when you're taking those pictures, or you then realize it after the fact, if you don't have enough photographs, you're not going to be able to do that, I think, successfully. Oh, I but you also have to know that you can't just rely on one photograph.
0: Oh, that's really interesting because I would have thought it would be very difficult to combine it is. photographs it because is. you have to then, adju- it's very hard to it do is. because you have to then impose your intellect onto it exactly. to then adjust it so that it is going to work exactly because you can't just think, okay, I'm just going to use exactly that shape and plonk it on exactly. because it's not going to work. No, not at all.
1: So You're relying on kind of like knowing, oh, there's a body under that shirt, so yeah. that line can't physically be there so I, I got to shift that over and you know and if you if you ever look at a if you ever look at a photograph and you look at someone's hand and it's in a funny position because it's a photograph you you don't notice it but in a painting mm. it's very easy for hands not to look like hands yeah you're or for right. a foot to not look like a foot and you're looking at going why doesn't it look like yes. a foot? Your brain expects it to look a particular right. way. You took it from a, you know, so your brain filled in those details in the when you looked at the photograph, and you just assumed if I translate that to there, it'll look like a foot. But that's not the case no, at all. No, it's
0: not. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right, yeah. um, because the camera is not really representing what you see with your eyes. In the
1: not way. really, no, mm. no, and also just you know anyone who's had a bad picture taken of themselves kind of like goes, oh, uh, I don't look like that. And it's the same, you know, like it's it's, it's the exact same thing. You're kind of like, oh, but hands don't look like that. So you've got to be very careful about uh, making sure those elements come together in the right way. And then even when they don't in the source photograph, you then have to kind of like be very confident that you can fix that on the the canvas. When the Archibald, uh, painting was uh, accepted. Uh, then all the phone was doing was just ringing, and it was a gallery saying, "Kind like, of got another um, work there for you if you want to do it." I'm like, "Yep, happy to do it." Yeah. Do so you've one.
0: you found it's made a difference. Being
1: Huge difference. Yeah, Huge your name's difference.
0: out there now, yeah. much and more.
1: You, you put it in front of so many people um, that good things are bound to, to come off the back of it. I know that the Archibald is almost a, a double-edged sword. In that, people feel obliged to take part, but the success, you know, the likelihood of a painting getting in is very, very slim. Um, so a lot of people uh, don't like how much it looms over the uh, the Australian art um, mm. community. But whatever whatever one might say against it, what it's got going for it is so much outweighs the bad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like I agree. You just, you, there's nothing like that in, in Ireland. There's nothing like that in Spain. Maybe the Turner Prize in the UK where you get that level of public involvement and just people talking about painting of all things. Not, yes. Not politics, not sport. That's right. Not movie stuff. It's like the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, it's just, it's just wonderful. It's just lovely little week where everybody just stops and talks about painting, and that's, that, that's got to be so good for the, for the arts community. Oh, I
0: mean, definitely, I agree. Yeah. Um, I suppose the, the downside for artists is, as you say, all those people who have spent a long time yeah. on that painting, and then what do you do with it? Yeah. I mean, even the winners. Sometimes, you know, people who are selected as finalists, that, that painting ends up just in their studio or yeah. something, you know? So, yeah. um,
1: I had this, uh, this, this thought, kind of like I was pretty confident, Lovely to be in it, but I was like never again will I have this opportunity and again to paint myself not I'm not a degenerate gambler, but I thought I'm pretty confident I'm not going to win Why don't I go and put a bet on myself to lose? (laughs) Because if I win I'm gonna be up on the deal, but if I lose I've got I've got like a (laughs) consolation prize So I went down to, I've never been into a bookies in my life, but I went down to to TAB um, and uh, somebody else. And I went in and I said, I want to put a bet on Jonathan Dalton to lose the the Archibald. (laughs) (laughs) So they call over the manager and they're kind of like talking, why, like, why do you want to do this? And they're like, well, full disclosure, like I'm Jonathan Dalton. And I figure... Never will there be an opportunity where I get to do something like this, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't take the bet.
0: Oh, they wouldn't? No,
1: they were like, oh, uh, no, it feels a bit like match-fixing, yeah. so instead I just ended up calling everybody I know and said, you know, can I bet 100 bucks against myself to win? <laughs> so Ralph Harbs, my dear, he was so confident, he was like, you are going to win for sure, I'm sorry, I was like, Ralph, no way, and he's like, yep, and I said, okay, 100 bucks then I'm not going to win, he's like, dumb. So on uh, the, the, the day when the Archibald announcements come through uh, and Ralph calls up and he's like, so he didn't get the call. And I'm like, nope. And he said, oh, sorry, mate. And I'm like, that's all right. You owe me a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, now one thing that I've heard you say, which I think is very interesting, is that you've said a portrait is a picture of somebody, but a beautiful portrait is a picture about somebody.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, what do you mean by that?
1: Well... So, I, I don't know. Okay, so there's a. I think that's a portrait of somebody. So, it's a good likeness. Yeah. We're, it's pointed, well painted. we're talking about a painting. Yeah, we're talking about. This, so, so, this is a friend of mine from Barcelona, um, a girl called uh, Esther. And it's, you know, it's a good likeness. That looks like her. And it's, she's got a kind of like an interesting pose. But I don't think you can tell me anything about Esther from that one particular painting, the one that's behind you, which is unfinished, which is um, the, the, the wedding present to my, to my wife, still unfinished after these three years this week. Uh, <laughs> I should really get around to finishing it. And I think you can tell something about, about her in, in that. I think it speaks, it speaks more about her than it just looking like her.
0: Do you think that's because she's... What do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Well, I see, I, think, I see what you mean. Yes, I see what you, mean. You,
1: can, you if you're not introducing other elements in there, those mm-hmm. like little magical touches mm-hmm. that elevate it above um, mm-hmm. just a mere likeness of whatever you're painting, then you just all, all you can ever expect is kind of like, oh, that's really good. It, it looks like a photograph, as opposed to kind of like, oh, what's what's going on here? Why? Why is that person sitting on the bed? Or why is that person on the couch? Much more interesting to hear a person talking about the way a person is sitting rather than saying, it looks like a person sitting. Yes. Or why is her hand turned like that? Or why do they have that look in their eye? Or Is she putting that into the bag or taking it out of the bag? Or is this before or after something has happened? Mm. And when you begin to introduce those notions of tension, of drama, of theater, I think you begin, you begin to move into that territory where it goes from just a likeness Mm. Of somebody to it being about somebody or something yeah, you yeah. Know.
0: and do you think you need to move there has to be a point where you let go of the photograph to have achieved that in a way
1: Th- Yeah, I think so. I think that's a really good I think that's a really good point where you just the photograph was the reference and then somewhere along the way you kind of like you let that go yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely you know, that's, that's that's a nice way of putting it yeah I'm, I'm going to steal yeah. that from you. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to yeah, let can put in your artist go. statement. I'm, I'm going to. Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> now, can I bring you up to your recent show, with yes. Nanda Hobbs Contemporary, which was in March? Yes, it was. It was a great show. Thank it you. was called A, Be- a Beauty Imperfect. Yeah. And in that show, you had um, a number of still lifes. Yes. Which I want to talk about, because I, I really love these works that you've been Thank doing. You. These bowls of fruit. Yes. Um, and vegetables. Yes. And in particular... I really loved this one work called Big Bowl, yeah. and it is a big bowl. It
1: is. It's a huge <laughs> bowl. I think it's like 2.1 metres on the long side. Yeah, That's
0: right. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. It's, yeah, I think, actually, I've written it down here. It's 2.1 and by 180 centimetres high, roughly. Which brings me to the other thing I love about these paintings, because you're now you're doing more of these. I am. And that is that you have got these crazy little figures in them, and they're just like all the like the one from Big Bowl uh, this year uh, from the show. They are these little policemen, that's right, and yeah. like smaller than the cherries. Yeah. And so, but not only were they amazing because they're these little figures, but they were sort of engaged with each other. So yeah. you had like, a, like you're a building
1: m- a scene. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's that idea. <laughs> Which I can never get away from um, is that I, I really like people to be able to imagine themselves in, in that particular moment and still lifes, for, for the many qualities that they have, you know, you're not there with the, the, the fruit. You might be admiring it, you might be you know, loving it, but you're not there. But the moment you put figures or you put a reference point to people in it, then people can begin to kind of like build a, an idea in their head of like, what's, what's going on there? Why, why is he standing there and why is she doing that and why is the guy up in the bowl amongst all of it and you begin to you begin to build a a little story it's that and it's that idea of getting away from something just looking like a photograph and introducing elements that kind of make people more engaged with the with the work oh it
0: definitely does do that with those like you had in, in in that big bowl you had sort of a couple of policemen sort of directing the, tra- it was almost like that of directing the traffic. So you know?
1: when I, I, you know, I'm, I'm never particularly keen to say exactly what was going through my head. I, I want people to be able to relate to it. And, you know, if I, put a um, if I put a particular narrative on it, then I exclude, you know, some people from relating to it. But it was very intentionally, I painted them like um, immigration agents, you see. Oh. And oh, so, I if you see. if you look at it again, you know that then begins to change it. It's not it's it's a police it's not a policeman. It's an immigration agent saying, no, you can't come in. M- you know, fatherless child, mother with young baby. Nope, nope, can't come in. And then you got a little guy up there in his beautiful blue suit, and he's enjoying all of the bounty of the earth, and he gets to enjoy it because he was in there. But the people on the outside, down on the ground, no, he no, can't come in. So, like in my head, that's oh, that's what it was. That's but there's different ways of looking at it, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, that makes it so much more meaningful when you well, put you it that see, way. Well, you see,
1: this is it, but, like this, but this is my own narrative and then other people yeah. might, might see it a different way. Well, my it.
0: narrative was, you know, the mother with the child... Um, you know, seeking help from the police officer. There so there you go. Isn't that I think I think it
1: speaks. You know, it's it's lovely because you can. It's almost like a little mini psychological test and kind of like, well, what do you see? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's that's like a right. Rorschach test. So yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, it's great, beautiful painting, and Thank I'm you. really enjoying this one too. That you you sort of it's in in progress at the moment, isn't it? It's
1: getting there. Yeah. 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 This was on the back of that particular show. Uh, we were, we were speaking earlier. Being doing these little still lifes, which are, you know, kind of like still life size, and my um, studio mate, the artist Giles Alexander, said, you should just do one of those really big. They'd be beautiful really big, and this is what I was saying. That's
0: right, you were saying. I couldn't get my head around the
1: notion, like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, just do like a big one, which is why it's called Big Bowl, as I was saying, to reference Chuck Close's big face, you know, which was kind of like the start of, I suppose, in a roundabout way, the start of photorealism. Um, And bizarrely enough, um, people... Seem to respond very, very well to it. And yeah. What gallery. sort of
0: reactions did you get?
1: Uh, all sorts. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think people ever come up to you at an exhibition and say, yeah. I hate your work. You should stop <laughs> being an artist. What are you thinking? You're contrived and egotistical and vaguely narcissistic. That, that tends not to happen. People tend to come up and say nice things to you.
0: <laughs> now, I have been looking at your Instagram sure. page, which I love. Thank and you. I'm recommending to everybody out there, to follow you because it's a great page, and I saw um, on 11th of March you put on a time-lapse video of Big bowl. Now I noticed on that that you sort of moved from one, so you'd finish all the cherries and then go on to say the mandarins, but now that I've spoken to you today, you're not completely, you, you, you do several layers. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. So that's just yeah, the yeah. first that's layer. the first layer, yeah.
0: What are you trying to achieve in the first layer?
1: Um, it depends. Uh, on the painting, but in that, in that particular one you're trying to get more or less where everything's going to be. Uh, you want the shine to be over here, you want the shadow to be under here, so you're just putting on that first pass of paint, you're putting it on quite thin because you want it to dry pretty quickly. And so
0: what do you mix it with to make it thin?
1: Um, I use Medium. various mediums, but the one that I'm using at the moment, which I think was in that, is a Gamblin product called Gamblin Slow Dry.
0: And it and just thins it down.
1: So It it's it's like just thins f- it down, but it also makes the paint significantly more fluid. So rather than trying to move butter around, you've got, you know, almost liquid paint. Yeah. Would be an issue if there's just one layer of paint because you won't get that richness or depth. But when you've got multiple layers, mm. you almost get more depth because there's a little bit of translucence in the oil. So you're picking up the colours underneath and it gives a very nice, I think, depth to the objects. So... Whatever colors I happen to have mixed up, which tends to be a fairly subtle, you know, from one red to the next red to the next red, it's quite subtle. So Mm. lay all of them down the best I can Mm. and then move into the next bit. And then you're stepping back and you're looking, you're like, okay, the shadows in the middle there need to come down a lot, or those highlights need to come up a lot, or those colors just aren't sitting right. That's not the color that an orange or, sorry, a mandarin or (laughs) a cherry should be. Uh so you know that first pass is just to get to more or less get everything where it needs to be.
0: Right, to blocked in more or less sort it's of a thing. Blocked
1: in but with sufficient detail that you know you're not having to constantly try and figure out where do the seeds go in the strawberries or where the dots in the, the, the mandarin Oh go
0: okay. So whatever. how many layers would you end up do you think end up with?
1: In that one, in the big bowl, it was a slight I use use a slightly different technique. With portraits, I tend to put in a, a burnt umber underpainting yeah. or sometimes a griselle, like a, a black and white underpainting. Mm-hmm. But in that one, I was like, well, if there's little errors in the, the, the cherries, no one's going to know. No,
0: exactly. On, on a face,
1: you pick it up. On a hand, you pick it up instantly. Yeah. So on that one, I think there's probably four or five layers, yes. I want to say. Oh, I see. I mean, I could, I could happily paint one painting for a year but you kind of got to get it to a certain point of being okay at the door I'm sick of looking yeah. at it off you go but you're always going to I'm always going to see I'm always going to see the air yeah exactly yeah. well I
0: think you said somewhere that you're a bit of a perfectionist do you would you in, describe in yourself for in that sure, way yeah,
1: in painting in all other aspects of my life no in <laughs> painting for sure isn't that funny yeah uh,
0: that's interesting do, do you um, – so would that be the case that you, even – that you could look at nearly any painting you've done and think,
1: I could fix that bit up? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Right. So, you know, in, in my head, I am kind of like, okay, I'll get a 90% there. Yep. If I get above 90%, doing really, really well. If I don't get above 90%, then maybe I don't put it out there into the world and I'll scrape it back, start again, or, you know, you – it's kind of an odd sensation because I know now, I've been doing it sufficiently long, that I'm never going to be 100% happy with a painting. Mm. And it's the gap between how happy you are and what you could have made better that makes the next painting better or more interesting.
0: Yeah, well, that's...
1: It's kind of like that. You know the way you want it in your head, and then you try to translate it onto the canvas or the board. And when that gap exists, you know you can make it better the next time around.
0: I wonder if nearly every artist is like that, though. They're never 100% happy.
1: I think, it, I, I suspect so. Um, and I think you, you sort of see it in, most artists tend to be excited about what they're doing next and not what they've just done. Mm. And I think that's a sign of like a healthy art practice. Mm. If you're excited about your next painting, you're doing something right. If you're just obsessing over the one that you've just finished or you kind of like okay that's it it's done Mm. then you know maybe well not not so healthy yeah (laughs) so the secret
0: is to let it just let it go decide that's it i'm gonna let that go now and not and just not worry about it anymore and look forward to the next one
1: with the we keep talking about the archibald painting but with the archibald painting i'd gone back to ireland sent it off to the framers. I hadn't seen it in a good, I don't know, six or seven weeks, and then happened to be through my gallery at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. It was on this preview night for the Young Members um, Art Gallery Association, and I happened to be there. So this was unrelated to the Archibald, but the Archibald was on, and it was a preview for it. And they'd asked me to come along and just, you know, be there. But they didn't know that I'd put a painting in or that it had been selected or anything else. So I got to sort of do a proper sneaky peek of my, my painting. And oh, when Yeah, it was an odd set of circumstances that made that happen. So I walked in and uh, you go down and, and, and I saw it there. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's, that's pretty good. That's
0: yeah. So you saw it fresh in a saw different it fresh, environment. Exactly. Yeah. And... Yeah, so that's that's a good test, isn't it? It is,
1: and the the other thing that I I, do—I don't have it here; it's in the next space—but I have a mirror, and I look at the painting in the mirror Mm. to give a fresh set of eyes to it. Mm. So you can kind of like, okay, that's working, that's not working. So just a way of looking at it exactly as you said, fresh. Definitely. When when it takes a long time to make a work, you you, you stop seeing it eventually.
0: Definitely, and also I think taking a photo of it and looking on your phone—that can help, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing it at a
1: different scale, yeah, definitely.
0: Mm. I want to also ask you about um, your routine, if you have any. Do you find it easy to get started in the day, or do you find that you procrastinate?
1: I'm not a great morning person at the best of times, so I get a lot more done in the afternoon, but I have to come in in the morning, because if I don't, then I I don't like warm up to it. So I, you know, take a leisurely cup of coffee, maybe have a croissant. Be the headlines but I'm in the studio so it's work you know I'm working <laughs> and uh, then spend some time mixing up colours and well, Thank mixing up know, colours
0: that. takes a while. It does
1: take a while, uh, but you know, <laughs> not maybe if I'd mix them up the previous day. I'll just, I just move them around and mixing up colour, and oh look, it's lunchtime. Okay, I'll have some lunch, and then I crack into it. Uh, ah, okay. So but, you, you know, find that
0: that's when you stick. I, I it's think, yeah. If I'm, left, if I'm
1: left to my own devices, if I've got a deadline, mm. I almost prefer having a deadline because then I just come in and definitely.
0: So, would you go into the night? Yeah. So you yeah. work into the night.
1: If I I have the colours pre-mixed, definitely. Uh, If I don't, then prior to this studio, I just didn't trust the the, the fluorescent bulbs and I've had way too many incidences where the colours have been awful the following day. Yeah, Yeah, so, right. But I mean, I will happily spend 12, 15, 18 hours in the studio.
0: Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you so
1: much, Maria.
0: It's been so great. And it's just such a privilege to see these wonderful paintings in progress. And good luck with your work. I'll I'll mention actually in the outro about what's coming up. Um, And yes, good luck.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for coming by.
0: you enjoyed my conversation with Jonathan Dalton. If you're in Sydney, make sure you get to the Art Gallery of New South Wales over the next few weeks, where you'll see Jonathan's portrait of Lottie and James hanging in the Archibald Prize Exhibition, as well as all the other paintings in the Archibald Wynne and Sulman Prizes. His work is also included in what sounds like a very intriguing exhibition that's happening in a cave in the Wilson Parking Sydney Opera House car park, which I can't wait to get to next week. Uh, apparently you go through a tunnel to get to a cave, which has been vacant for 23 years and which is under the Royal Botanic Gardens. It's on for one week only, from Monday the 25th to Friday the 29th of September, which is the week after this podcast goes online. And there are works there from a selection of great artists, including the wonderful Alan Jones, who of course was on this podcast, and Giles Alexander, who Jonathan mentioned in this episode, as well as many other talented artists. And it's free, but you just have to um, register online. So I've put a link to that uh, on the website. Don't forget you can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'll be getting videos of Amanda Penrose Hart and Jonathan Dalton onto the YouTube channel over the next few days. And I've just posted my video of James Drinkwater, so you can just Google Talking with Painters playlist to get to those videos. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me next time for the next episode of Talking with Painters.
1: Painting is the, the chemical process, but art is like the alchemical process. It's like alchemy. There's a little bit of magic in there somewhere. Yes. And trying to pinpoint it is you know, almost like trying to explain a joke. You just lose it in it. You know it when you see it.